What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Meet the Creators Podcast. This is Rob, who makes the show. Welcome. A lot of new people here. That's really exciting slash scary, but I just feel good. I'm in a good headspace mentally. I took some time off, and uh, we're rocking and rolling, baby. I think tomorrow is going to be the latest episode with Burton LeBlanc. By the way, working on my French, for those of you who have... Uh, been following me over the last couple of years. You know that my French, is, the, the French is strong with this one. We got Mathieu Beton. Uh, now we have Bertin Leblanc. I'm excited. Alicia Reynaud. Anyway, all right, uh, it's September. Not only is it September, it's September 6th already, and that's like really uh, kind of scary. And uh, if you're feeling the September scaries and you're in kind of a place where you feel a little bit uh, disenfranchised, a little bit low, imposter syndrome, you're like, oh, another year. We have to like really get it back together. Back to school vibes. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of nerves. This one's for you. Uh, I am splicing together and adding some commentary on some of my favorite clips from over the years. Uh, I, in the past, have always just kind of chopped up the episodes, but I want to give more context to them. Um, also, too, because some time has gone by since these um, episodes, and I record... Uh, edit and do everything all together and I really feel like I lose my mind by the time that I put it out it's just going over and over and over and constantly editing it that sometimes for me I, I don't even it's like a hodgepodge in my mind of what happened on that episode and then sometimes I go back and listen to it and I'm like wow I hate myself and then sometimes I go back and I listen and I go that was good this, this, this is actually like not a bad show. I'm, I'm doing some cool shit here. The people are always amazing. It's me. That's the problem. So these days I try and stay out of the way. Um, and doing these episodes where I um, can talk about what's happened is kind of cool for you guys. And it's, it's cool for me to reflect back on this amazing journey that has been Meet the Creatives. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Okay, here we go. I have a couple of clips today and I want to do this in the future. And the theme of today is getting you motivated, getting out of those uh, kind of Sunday scaries and stuff like that. And Sunday scaries, September scaries. Come on, Rob, stick with the theme. Uh, this first one, this first clip, I should say, is from one of my favorite episodes ever. I love this episode. I left feeling so good. If you listen to the episode, you'll hear that I have a real place in my heart for the Headspace app. It has gotten me through some really difficult times. Um, so I guess we'll start with, you know, with the basics, which is inside the brain, inside the head, uh, focusing on the importance of mental health. Uh, this clip is called The Importance of Mental Health During the Pandemic. I think that these themes are just as relevant today, even though many of us are getting on with our lives and doing all this different stuff. The aftermath uh, and reflecting back on what has transpired over the last you know few years with COVID and everything, uh, this clip, I think, is, is valuable for you. So check it out. This is Leslie Witt, Chief Design Officer at Headspace and a wonderful human. I love, love, love this episode. Like if you pause this right now and go back and listen to this episode, like I wouldn't blame you. It's amazing. Leslie is the shit. Feels weird saying that about the head, Headspace girl, but here we go. Over the last year and a half or so with, with COVID and everything, this podcast is definitely changing uh, for the, for the better in a way at first I was a little bit worried that it would seem self-serving, but I, I think especially with all like the, uh, social distancing and like the, in the literal sense, um, I think that people want to hear more genuine, vulnerable things. Do you feel like, um, as somebody who's like in a leadership position, do you feel that people during this time are now like opening up more about these things? Cause, cause lately I feel like I'm being a little bit yeah. too dramatic about things, but then I think it's also sign of the times sort of thing, you know? 
Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, it's like to every, um, everything has a silver lining. And yeah. when I look at what was already like, I'm going to zoom in on our domain. Cause I think it's very apropos, um, what already was a mental health crisis, but mm-hmm. still had a lot of stigma wrapped around it. Like you, you go through an event, an, an extended event together, like the global pandemic and whether it's personal trauma or, you know, adjacent trauma, whether it's, you know, having illness or watching someone have illness or fear of your parents getting sick. You know, I mean, you, you extrapolate, no one's more than a, a small tick removed mm-hmm. from something that's substantial and hard and, um, and knows that that is, is a shared attribute. And I think it's created in a positive way, um, the conditions for people to talk pretty openly about their mental health. And then you, you double into that a reality, at least in the U S and to a certain extent, um, worldwide, which is the level of social upheaval, um, which, you know, you have like this fomenting of things that have been there latently for so long. Um, and again, it's created like a, it's in your face and, and now in good ways is being talked about, but we don't necessarily all have the right words, the right um, resources within ourselves to kind of self-respect, self-reflect and reflect feelings, reflect institutional reality. And so I've just seen this massive increase in um, willingness to talk about hard things as well as almost a demand of it, Um, which to me, like those, those are all good, particularly if we can marry that new reality with the resources to actually help people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why and admittedly, I think I kind of came back to Headspace during the time of the pandemic because I, I, before this, I would think of self-care sort of as this, uh, I don't want to say like a luxury, but it, but it felt like, why are you taking time for yourself and going, this is, be- yeah. this is before COVID, why are you in the, on a Monday? at a park doing a med doing meditation when surely you could be doing something else to further your career. And now it's like those two worlds are starting to flip flop a little bit for me, the mental health, the health and well being of my family. Is everyone alive? Is everybody good? Cool. Like have gratitude for that. It's sort of um, a sense of, of gratitude has sort of been like forced upon me. Having that a sense of, of inner peace during times like this is really helpful. The more things I have in my pocket, literally, that can help with that, the better, you know? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it made me think a little bit like, I, and I do believe that these affiliations are, are being broken, right? Where mm-hmm. self-care was somewhat synonymous with selfish and indulgent. Right. And that instead you're like remapping now to, you know, the safety video we've all seen a million times when we used to fly on planes, which is, you know, put on your own oxygen mask before you don it on your children. Cause guess what? Right. Like, if you don't do that, you can't actually be there to help them. And, yeah. um, and I do feel like that, you know, that's a very literal association, but that notion of like, and we all have seen it, like if you haven't taken care of yourself and gotten yourself to, um, you know, at least a stable place, you end up being um, a, a neg on others, right? right? Like, and you see it in 
personal relationships, you see it in larger group gatherings. And so that, that dimension of like, actually in order to be someone who's self-accretive and is helpful, I actually need to establish a baseline of self-care for my, for me. Yeah, absolutely. In a way I'm kind of, not that I'm, I'm, it's a weird thing to say. I'm glad that my life spiraled out of control, but, um, my, you know, my brother-in-law passed and my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer. Then he died and that all kind of happened in short order. And then COVID came along and I was already started of like, I got to get this under control. And that's when, yeah. and I know I'm not technically supposed to talk about it, but you know, when I went to like 12 step recovery, like yeah. it happened, that was, I got sober May 14th of last year. And I remember that feeling of just recognizing like, this isn't good. Like whatever's happening in the world and where my mental state is at now, this yeah. isn't good. But I actually have a lot of empathy for people who just now at, you know, as we're coming out of this or looking or looking at the, uh, at yeah. what has transpired and where their mental health is and have a huge mountain to climb because I think we all do. And I, if I'm not taking care of myself and I, I can feel the difference and I, I want to, I think it's imperative that I'm more open about these kind of things. It's, it's not, it's not selfish to talk about these things. It's in fact, it's needed for a lot of people to hear. Oh, totally. No, I think it normalizes, yeah, like it, <laughs> it normalizes a reality that many people are in. And for those who haven't yet necessarily like addressed something like, you know, sobriety, um, if that's their challenge, like you just opened the door for, you know, some level of, uh, you know, listeners to your podcast. So like, yeah. I, I, I would highly encourage you to, to keep talking and also, um, you know, massive congrats on hitting a one-year milestone. Well, it's thank really you meaningful. so much. It's, it's pretty cool to be here with uh, the headspace lady during my one year sobriety. I made it. I think no, that was good. No, it's been good. And I'm really grateful and have a great network of people. And, and honestly, not to keep harping on this, but the headspace really was, you know, I, I, in a way I'm like, I almost get like emotional talking about it. And it's, it's kind of, uh, um, you know, my therapist always says, <laughs> I, I really been hitting it hard with the therapy and everything. My therapist always says, you know, is it odd or is it God kind of thing. And I have that a little bit right now with like the headspace, like with, even just us talking here, it's really special because it's like, this was sort of the sea. I remember it's, it's actually right outside here. There's a lake behind my house and there was a bench. And I remember the day I was just like, there was that sense of hope that the tiny, the tiny pinprick of light. I love well, it. Well, I, I, <laughs> I can say for the whole team, like it, it, the, the, when we hear from people that the services and content that we've brought to life has been helpful, it's like extraordinarily fulfilling. That's the reason everybody's show shows up. So good, right? Leslie is just perfect. And she's like the embodiment of Headspace. And uh, really love that episode. And uh, Andy Putico, my offer still stands, brother. Come on my show. Eve, whoever wants to come. Uh, if you work at Headspace, you're always welcome. Shout out, Ken Sino. Okay, moving right along. Uh, this next one is another one of my all-time favorite conversations. I cried after this episode. It was so good. And I'm super stoked that one of my best friends, uh, Rich, too, is now working with this next uh, guest. And that was Lisa Smith who is the executive creative director at Jones, Knowles, Richie, uh, JKR. That's what the cool kids say. Uh, it's called The Crooked Path, and that's a, an apt way to describe this journey. So uh, check it out. I'm so extroverted, and I'm so op I have such an imagination. But then sometimes that, um, that same imagination that, le that lends itself to creating also can imagine about all the different ways in which maybe I'm not like cut out for something kind of thing. Like it's sort of it's like a double-edged sword. 
And I think it's just like so cool to talk to someone like yourself and realize it's like, oh, like, she's just, like just like you. And you, I feel like during COVID, I almost like convinced myself that it's like, nah, you're probably not cut out for it. You should just, you just like, you know, that little voice in your head just gets like, you should yeah. quit. You should quit, dude. Do you think we all don't have that voice? Like, we oh, all... no, I know, I know. <laughs> we all have that voice, whatever. And, and it was loud though recently. Good day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's pretty exceptional, unusual circumstances. So yeah. everyone's working in their living rooms or their bedrooms or housemates. And I mean, it's it's yeah, we've all we've all played with our demons a little bit over the last couple of years. I, I have. Yeah my dog for my talking like, I get up in the morning all right I'm gonna brush my teeth how are you <laughs> like talking <laughs> to my dog just like otherwise <laughs> slowly going crazy yeah. but I think it's I think design it's is a crooked path that's your, your takeaway like your career is a crooked path this industry is is kind of a crooked path coming up with the solution for a client is a crooked path whether you come up with it in the shower, whether it takes you weeks to get to the answer because you're just like, you push and you push. I almost love that bit where you can't actually get it. And you're in like almost extreme pain of like trying to get the the answer. But, yes. the, but the, the amount of interesting stuff that comes out at those like most craziest moments is just really interesting. I just, yeah. it, it's just not, it's not like a perfect job and it's not like a perfect industry. It's, it's, we're creative so it's all a little like up in the air <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah it's it's good to to talk to people like yourself and just realize that it's, it's all going to be all right i'm sure there's people out there and maybe it's just an incredibly egocentric way of thinking but there's definitely people out there that are really scared because it's fucking scary you know it's scary to be like yeah. am i gonna make it am i gonna be unemployed like am i <laughs> well, yeah. worth them 100 no i yeah and it, and i'm finding the thing and finding the agency or finding the brand or whatever that that you feel really comfortable in it, it's yeah it's a journey and I and I, I get that and it is it is so, so I, I remember that it was I was equally as scared when I was like six months into an internship and then I remember as I said like that first project in September the 11th happened and then one of the worst recessions happened and we all took pay cuts and I was already on the lowest salary like you could possibly imagine and my granddad had to help pay some of my train fare to get to work because I still oh wanted God. to go to work so it was like you you got the job and then you got like pay removed because <laughs> of like the the world recession and circumstances but I believed in it and I believed in my my team and my boss and we were going to get back there and we did get back there and and got better and better but it was like it's yeah it's yeah it's it's a it's a um a crazy industry but a really cool one and lots and lots of different different paths you can take like you know I always think about that with my brothers like my brother worked for uh Gordon Ramsay at Hospital Road he's an incredible he worked in Paris as a chocolatier but he opened a shop in our hometown called Saffron Warden in Essex in England and he's so happy works with my brother oh my god small local business well, it turns I'm picturing out, like Gene Wilder and William. Well, it's a little bit funny in the chocolate factory, but uh, <laughs> Jamie Oliver's like their number one fan. If he posts something when he goes to the shop because it's near where he lives locally, they right. sell out of that the next day. And it's just like it's all relative too. Like, right. do you want to be at the the best? What what 
you know, you perceive as the best agencies? Or is there an agency out there that you're going to make work out that you're going to be super happy? I never really worried about that. I mean, Wolf Hollins and Chabani and JKR, and that's it all sounds awesome. And I know that seems like really, really up there for people who look at design from the outside or on their journey on the way up and they're like seeing what we do. But I was equally happy when I was at a smaller design agency making art books for photographers or, you know, working on hotels and and restaurant branding. And that was all my journey. I love working at the V&A. Like there's so many different paths in design you can take. Lisa, you're the best. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and make sure that you keep Rich too in line because he's crazy. Just kidding, Rich. I love you. All right. Um, next up, and by the way, I'm um, shining a light on all the powerful, badass women out there. Uh, and I know that recently it's been nothing but but like white dudes recently. It just it, That's how the scheduling has worked. There will be a lot of women in diversity coming up. I just for whatever reason, just booked like six white dudes in a row. It kind of just worked out that way. It, it, it will change. I'm sorry, ladies, but there have been a lot of strong empowered awesome women out there and i I, i'm not a sexist person i swear to god i just i'm terrible at poking guests with any rhyme or reason to it anyway speaking of awesome badass kick-ass women this is amy and jennifer hood from chutzpah design on how to land a job this episode was so much fun i love these girls i am trying to uh get back out to california and i want to go to las brisas it's it's a very obscure reference there but for those of you who are in their area you know what i'm talking about and i want to get those waffle fries I don't know where I'm going with this, but this is how to uh, network and land a job with Amy and Jennifer Hood, awesome kick-ass women, who there will be more of coming up on the show. I'm sorry about all the white dudes. Okay, here we go. We're talking about networking, and I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about like how to get in touch with people, how to reach out. And one of the things that I try and encourage people that are just starting out to do is to realize that you reaching out to somebody and saying, like, hey, it's always been my dream job. I really want to work with you. Like you're my idol. Like I'll like get the coffee for you is a fundamentally different conversation than just saying, Hey, I'd like to get to know you and like not having that sort of like caveat on the end of it. So many meaningful connections come just from genuine real connection. So could you guys kind of talk about that? I know you mentioned that in, in that last talk. Yeah. Well, First of all, I think the first step is always just reach out, but you're right. I think there is, there's two camps you can put yourself in real easy. Well, there's a few camps, but the ones that stand out are definitely like, oh my gosh, here's my life story. Like this would mean the world to me. You put a little bit too much pressure on it and it might just not be the right time for that company. And then they feel really bad or they see an email with five paragraphs and they just say, I don't have time. And that's very real. (laughs) Straining order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, like the minute I see more than a paragraph, I'm like, oh shit, I, I'm just going to have to save this because I don't have the brain width right now. Like I have yeah. to just like, and then sometimes I like, I forget and I feel so terrible because yeah. I really do try and at least write everyone back something. Yeah. I get pitched a lot on this show for like people wanting to come on this show. The mm. minute I see it's more than one par- paragraph, I know you copied and pasted that shit. When it's right. like, he went to Yale, he won a yeah, young yeah. guy. Yeah. Right, right. No, short and sweet. Like, it's like, who cares? Yeah, short yeah. and sweet. It's right. like, yeah, no, and you, do. you have Keep to have brief. like, Totally. And you have to have your one thing that you know is like something that's interesting and unique about you that will cause them to look further. Mm-hmm. And it's like, know what that little thing is. Keep that in there. Make sure it's like three to four lines. Yeah. You know, give the basics of like, I'm a graphic designer, you know, but it's like, like Jen said, if it's five paragraphs, it ain't going to happen. Right. So rule number one, keep it short. Uh, paragraph, if they have to scroll more than twice while they're looking at it on a phone, you're cut, you're done. Yeah. So here's my perfect formula for a cold email. You say, hi, so-and-so, make sure you're reaching out to actually someone specific, or at least try to. If you say, 
hi, um, team, I'm at least tell the info person who the person is at that company that you'd like it to be passed on to. Then grease the wheels, man. You got (laughs) to give a compliment to the person that you're talking to because it's so quickly people will launch into what they want. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. You're asking me, I want to know why you think no offense, but why do you think I'm great? You know, (laughs) which is terrible, but they do. They want you to know that this is um, unique to them and not just some like mass email that you're sending out. So say something specific that shows that you understand the world that you're talking about. Like, Hey, I love this project you did for X, Y, and Z reasons. It doesn't have to be long, just something simple. Don't get too fanny. Just be like, I think it was really smart and intelligent. I loved it. So one compliment, then say what you do really briefly. I do X, Y, and Z really love everything you all do. If you ever need this type of work, hit me up, you know, like it can be that simple or it could be a little bit more vague, like you said, which is a great idea. Just like, Hey, just wanted to reach out and say, I really appreciate all you do. Like, you know, this project really inspired me. Hope you're well. Like, (laughs) yeah. But to me, I find the better place to do that is on, find them on Instagram, find them on Twitter and try and interact with them there more casually. And then do the reach out email. Once you've had like a few interactions, because definitely people will talk to us on our Hootspa account, even though there's like 60,000 followers, if someone comments consistently, I will eventually look at their profile. You start to remember the avatar and you're like, oh yeah, I've spoken to them a few times. And I, we have totally added people to our referral list who we've met either through comments on um, our Instagram or literally just today, someone reached out and was like, Hey, I'm not asking for a job. Just want to say that I love your work. Have you you know, ever need any help? I didn't, but I, it, two hours later referred her to someone that was a really qualified lead because she was fresh in my mind and I saw her work and I knew it would be a good fit. That's I awesome. refer people all the time who cold email me who I don't need their work, but I add them to a list and then I refer them later. So yeah. cold emailing hundred percent works. You won't always get a response. It's a numbers game. You will have to receive a little bit of rejection, but just move on. It's not personal and just keep reaching out. I always try and like say it's it's like what do you think they're gonna write back with like I'm just like who do you think you are? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, literally the worst that could happen is they say nothing back because yeah. then you're like oh my gosh <laughs> but I I bet you anything it's not out of malice it's just they don't have time and they don't need your help at that moment yeah so even then it's not really a no it's just a not now most likely and sometimes like they're assholes sometimes like you meet them and like you don't like, like there have been so many people I like oh if I could just get the opportunity to meet them. You might like meet them, get get the interview, go there and be like, I hate this person. <laughs> sure, like, this sure. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So um, what is it that you like about like, like, and I, not so much like you were saying before about like the one comment, just like, like, so what is it that you like about our agency? And you're just like, yeah, this is so skeezy and gross. I'm going to go. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh my God. No, that's it so is. Funny. It's tough. Yeah. But it is true. It's like, even like we have a, um, we have a freelance course and a couple of students that join in on this Slack and it's amazing. Uh, probably only a third of the students that join the course, join the Slack, which I understand Slack can be kind of stressful if like, you don't want another like notification or another chat, but the people who are in the Slack and are constantly sharing their work or constantly updating us on what they're doing. I remember them to refer work to. Yeah. So it's like just keeping in touch with people that, you know, that have, you know, that have companies or that work at great companies, like just keeping in touch with them and letting them know what you're up to and asking them what they're up to like yeah without agenda just saying hey yeah. i saw you launch this thing congrats like celebrate their wins you know yeah. like it doesn't always have to be a question for you to reach out and say hey yeah i think to think of the long game because if you ask anybody who like met me my first like year or two in new york i was like very like fanboy and it was like very like clunky and weird and over the top and i talked too much and i wasn't really like a good listener and like they liked me but i just like, kind of kept in touch and eventually like you grow up and then you actually become like really good friends with them. There's a lot of people that I've met through the podcast who early on I was very like wonky and weird with, 
But I was also like, you know, like when you first entered the the field, like you're a, a kid, people get that. Yeah. Like, no, then, but I think that's great that you were, that, you were earnest and like, yeah. you know, you were honest about how much, to be honest, like as, as much as it can kind of put you in a, in a, like when you say to someone, oh my gosh, I'm your biggest fan. That immediately puts like a little bit of an awkwardness there, but still, I think it's very genuine. And it's like, if you want to say that, say that cool. Because like you said, um, the most important thing is making that connection and just reaching out, which is what you did. And that's probably why you've gotten so far so quickly is because you have not been guarded about like just being open and like trying to make connections with people, which is the hardest part is just getting out of your um, self-imposed, like, ah, I'm scared, you know, yeah, like, and yeah. going for it, not being afraid to get out of your comfort zone. And yeah. also I think even more than that, just the, your willingness to keep asking, right. Keep getting back in touch. We were watching this um, like boys to men documentary and they like showed up at this guy's show and just started singing for him as he's walking into the door. And this was before they were discovered. Before they were discovered, they're like, hey man, we're new kids, or we're uh, boys to men. We want you to be our manager. And then they just start singing. And this guy's like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's like, wow, they're like really good. And and so he gives them his number. It's the guy from New Edition. He gives them his phone number. And then the guy from Boys to Men calls him 11 days straight, just being like, man, you're going to make the biggest mistake of your life if you don't rep us. And, oh and he was God. like, I had never managed a band before, but they saw something in me too. So I agreed to be their manager. And then they just rocketed to stardom. But, and That's he was so saying crazy. like, yeah, and he was saying like, because they like were hungry for it, like yeah. that impressed him. And yeah. I do think there's something about somebody who's not afraid of a little bit of rejection. It's like, keep trying. You never know if it wasn't the right time. If you maybe were a little bit awkward and now you've grown up, they've <laughs> probably already forgotten. Don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that's a lot of it. I have a lot of people I really like, and I just know they're a great person. And I know that they have a lot of growing to do. So I'm just, it's like, I like when they get back in touch with me, because I'm like, damn, their work has really improved. Maybe I can start referring work to them, you know? Right. And so it's, it really is just like, stay in touch. Don't, don't get your hurt feelings hurt too much. Like that's part of it. If you want to get like bigger and better jobs, it's yeah. going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So much of it is like the, the mental health, like side of things too. My friend, Josh, every, by the way, uh, shout out to Josh Lepley. He's the one who was like, dude, like you haven't had a hutzpah design on your podcast yet. Like you, I was like, I know them. He was like, yeah, then what the fuck are you doing? Like get them on your show. So shout Josh, out to Josh thank Lepley. You. Yeah. Josh is the man. I love him. He's the personal call when I'm on my like, woe is me. The industry yeah. doesn't care. He's like really good to kind of to check those. He's like, dude, like, pull it together like come on kind of thing but <laughs> he gives you the slap and says slap out of it man yeah 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 yeah. he's like the guy in like the corner like with the boxer when he's like getting his ass kicked that's like josh uh <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> squirting the water in your mouth slapping yeah. your face come yeah, on yeah, yeah. that's so funny you need to have people along the way that you can kind of confide in who will hear you out and empathize with you but also be like hey like you know you really need to keep getting after it like you don't want to get too much into the self-pity because i feel like especially in this industry you really need to be tenacious because it's really competitive everybody wants to do the job where they get to work on their, like their dream clients um so it's good to have people that, like you can kind of sort of bounce ideas off of but also don't get in the habit of like feeling sorry for yourself all the time because like this industry i've realized I've done, I've done the math. I've done the homework. It really doesn't give a fuck. Like no one's out there. Like people aren't out there actively feeling bad for you. So right. you sort of need to well, like, to be you know, honest, it, you know? no industry does. That's yeah, just that's human, exactly yeah. human nature that everyone's worried about themselves and not so much worried about you. Yeah. But so you're right. You do need those people who love you enough to like, listen and be that ear when you just need to let it out because you do like, you can say, Oh, be strong and don't get your hurt feelings hurt. But you will. as a human, you <laughs> yeah, can't you stop It'll yourself happen. from feeling yeah. those things. Rather, like you said, you have to have that support system where you can boohoo and cry it out for a week. But then after 
after that, they're like, all right, you've had your, your term of mourning. You need to snap out of <laughs> right. it, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think like when we started this course for students, uh, we thought, oh, you know, this course has been great. They have all these videos and downloads. And, and then when we started collecting testimonials and like getting reviews, everyone's like, I love the Slack channel. Like that's all because they just love a place where they can complain about like not just complain but like you know commiserate together yeah. but also be like oh, okay so it's not just me but then yeah. get over it quickly by being able to just purge it let it out and then everyone say don't worry you got this like get back at it you know and as silly as it isn't as cheesy as, as it sounds to need that kind of support group everybody does and so yeah. whether you have to get it through an online community or you have a friend who knows nothing about design but they still are willing to listen you just have to have those people yeah exactly I've been kind of thinking about this idea of like a five-year plan. And I know it sounds like ridiculous. And whenever I think of the five-year plan, I, I'm very much so in a, in a movies mode today. I don't know why. Yes. I, I think about that line from um, from that Adam Sandler movie. It's like, he has a five-year plan. What's that plan? Don't die. Like, what movie is that? I guess that's uh, Big Daddy, I think it is. Maybe. It must know. be, yeah. I know. I'm trying to think of what. It couldn't be anything else, really. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, but think of things in like five year windows. That's what I, I'm trying to do myself. Cause if I look back like five years ago, like where was I? And like none of this stuff had come to fruition yet. And that's really not that long of time, but it's so easy to just get in this thing of like, well, this calendar year, like I didn't really get what I, you know, I, I didn't really get where I wanted to. I, there were so many times where I would go to like, you know, it'd be like another, another Christmas and people like, so Ralph has the job thing going. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. if you ask me one more time you're like so tightly wound and you're lying and you're like you're just getting like more and more into like you know like i'm gonna well this i i gotta you know somebody emailed me back the other day so you know next stop i'm gonna work at google and the people are like oh like right yeah. right, right you're spinning this like alternate universe where you're like working <laughs> yeah. for google and like yeah that's so funny and then you have to manage the lies though that's where you get tripped the great up. thing is though, if you want yeah. to lie to anyone you know grandparents are perfect because they can't they don't know how to do the internet research <laughs> search to yeah. verify so it's yeah. like why not impress your grandparents and make them feel better you know yeah, give them something to brag about at the nursing home yeah That's if so i can funny. go back and give myself one piece of advice it would be like just be honest like now with my parents i'm just very honest right yeah because there's right. seasons too i think there's it's there's two things that i always try to remember when i'm like kind of in that like woe is me or when i'm feeling like i haven't quite made the goals that i wanted for that year and i can't tell if there's any forward progress in my life or in my career i always try to remember to start practicing gratitude again and not just practicing it but writing it down it's crazy how helpful it is when at the end of the day you say what's the one thing that went right there has to be at least one thing it could be little it could be i got an email approval back from my client or it could be you know, um, I sold a font, I license, you know, or whatever it is, but just remembering that things are going well and counting the things that have gone well, because just like when you, the only reason you get on for, to do a Yelp review is usually because it went badly. Right. Sometimes I feel like it's easy to forget the wins because you're so focused on like when things go wrong and, st and it's easy to forget the wins yeah. um, unless you're like reviewing them with yourself. So like writing those things down and um, keeping kind of a business journal, because then when you can go back at the end of the year, you can say, gosh, we had a lot of things go right. You know, um, yeah. we didn't reach this big goal that we had, but that's okay. You know, like it was, it was a weird year, you know, for yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah global pandemic, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's so many reasons. Yeah. It's, life is never like, okay, we're going to plan this and then it's going to happen because there's, it's not just about you. There's a lot of other people in your universe that you're think, wanting to think about and wanting to make sure are also taken care of. And, you know, so it's like things happen. Full of chutzpah. Love it. Okay. Moving on. 
Uh, we're going to stay right in California. For I really went through a phase over the last few years where I interviewed a lot of people from the West Coast and got the chance to travel out there. This next episode, I've, I've said this on everything so far, but these are really some of my favorite clips. I went to go and... For the first time ever, I was super inspired by visiting uh, Facebook now. Uh, at the time, it was Facebook. Now, it's Meta headquarters out in um, California after I visited my friends in San Francisco. And I was really, like, so taken back by the gigantic scale of Facebook and everything. I had always loved and appreciated the work of Julie Zhu. And then I went to the behemoth that was Facebook. And I was like, oh, my God. I now I really need to meet Julie Zhu or Mark Zuckerberg or just somebody like this needs to happen. By the way, Mark Zuckerberg was there the day I went with Deion Baez. That was like pretty cool. He was like, I was in the same room. So that was kind of cool. I kind of felt like being in the same room with like a president or something. But I love the strong, powerful, amazing people at Facebook. Uh, and Julie has since moved on from Facebook. But this episode was phenomenal. Uh, this is called The Path to Getting Better. And I was so nervous. After the reason I bring up all that stuff about Facebook is not to flex on you, but it's just like I couldn't believe the scale and how big it was. And then I was like, no, no, no. People are people. Everyone puts their pants on one, one leg at a time. I know I say that that expression at nauseam. I'm, I'm looking for a new way to say that. But people are people. Reach out again. Do the follow up. Do the shit you preach about. And reach out to Julie Zoom and get her on the show. And I did. And it was amazing. And this was the path to getting better. Um, with Julie Zhu. Amazing, amazing episode. Shout out Meta, shout out Facebook, shout out Julie Zhu, and all the amazing things she's moved on to. So here we go. Something I think about a lot is people entering the field. Um, it's compared to nothing. I remember like when I first went to New York City, and I'm sure the experience is just the same in California or wherever people are listening from. Um, just having it be compared to nothing. And then like people asking like, oh, what do, like, what do you know? Like we need this skill set like, what do you know? And what you know is like next to nothing. And then you kind of have to have that. It's so cliche and overly used, but that fake it till you make it thing. You know, that's something that's real. And I think that this, the whole like faking it till you make it implies that you're kind of just like getting by. Whereas I encourage like, no, like look stupid, but have people like laugh and then show you and then you'll know and then you can grow up from that point. I think the part that I like about fake it till you make it is that you should raise your hand and try for things, even if you don't think, you know, you have, um, you've like, you're perfect for, for that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you, you, you take some risks, put yourself out there a little bit more. But the part that I, th I don't like is, I think it, you don't need to necessarily pretend. Um, oftentimes, you'll learn a lot more if uh, you just ask questions and you don't pretend like you know what the answer is if you don't, because I actually think humans are pretty good at sniffing out, uh, oh, you know, yeah authenticity from others and if you just kind of come off not particularly authentic and because uh, you're pretending I it actually I think um, I think other, a lot of times people can tell and uh, it, it you know can go against you a little bit but if you yeah. say look I actually you know don't really know the answer but I'm down to learn and I think I'm you know a fast learner and I think I could do this and get better at it and I want your help then oftentimes you're going to get way more help. Exactly. Yeah, I went to, uh, I had a live podcast in San Francisco. It was my first time ever going. By the way, love San Francisco. If you guys are listening from San Francisco and you want to have a live podcast, let's talk after the show. But, um, you know, I went to Facebook for the first time and I was like, I want to work at Facebook. I want to work at Facebook. And my friend who was giving me the tour was like, well, why? And I was like, like, what would you do here? And I was like, well, I'd be like a designer. Yeah, but like design what? And I was just like, 
I don't know, but like, I want to find out. And then I kind of just went around and it's like, was super hyped the whole entire time. And then got back on a plane and thought about it, but it was kind of like, just be allowing myself to be there and admittedly be like, I have really no business being here, but this is the coolest thing ever. And like kind of peaking, I think it's really important to be around people that will help to like peak your curiosity as well. You know what I mean? Did you have people in your journey that were, um, you know, like great mentors or maybe someone to give you, you know, the first person to give you a tour of like Microsoft or something? What was your, I, I want to know what you were like before you were like the, the legendary, you know, the, the queen of Silicon Valley, like, you know, crushing the game. Oh gosh. I mean, I, mean, I felt like I just did <laughs> like everything wrong <laughs> when I was just starting out. Um, let's see what, well, let's, uh, okay. You said so you were scared to show up to work every day. I don't believe I was, this. I'm trying to have I a totally thought. was scared to show up to work every day. That's crazy. I totally just fell in over my head for like years, you know, like really years, like honestly past the point in which even, you know, I, I think like, like I'd like been you doing were, the like, job for like seven Facebook years. And you were just like, I don't Yeah, I was already leading teams at Facebook and I still felt like I didn't know what I was doing, you know, um, That's good uh, on most days. Or I still felt like, you know, kind of really nervous about, uh, about like, you know, very common things like running a meeting or, you know, interviewing a particular candidate. So, you know, all these things just get easier with practice. And right. I think that's basically the, uh, I think the story of, you know, working at a startup or any startup or, or an especially a very fast growing startup is that you're just going to be doing things that you've never done before. And you're probably going to feel really uncomfortable and you're probably, you know, going to feel like out of your element and maybe you're not prepared and you're definitely going to think that you're not the best person to do this, right. which is probably true because there are probably people who can do that particular thing that you're doing far better. But the thing is, it doesn't matter. Like all of those narratives don't matter. Like those people aren't in your role. Like you're the one in your role. So, right. you know, go and make the most of it and go and figure out. Yeah, you have to be there and like be in yeah. the meeting. Yeah, exactly. Like go and figure out how to get better. Right. And, you know, don't pretend like you're great if you aren't, because if you aren't, then you aren't. That's OK. But tell yourself, hey, I'm not great yet, but through practice and through me working hard and trying, I will get better. And every time I do this, you know, is another way that's like another step on the path towards like getting better. And that's true for like literally anything. Amazing, right? So good. All right. Up next, we have uh, one of my favorite people in the world. That's Mr. Chris Doe, founder and CEO of The Future and the CEO and ECD of Blind. Uh, this club is called Action Beats Intent, and love Chris. He's been on the show twice. We may or may not be doing an in-person podcast in the near future that I'm not really supposed to be talking about yet, but it might be coming out soon, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, stay tuned, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Doe, Action Beats Intent. Come on, Chris. I've heard you talk about like Action Beats Intent. Yes. What do you mean by that? Okay. Well, so many of us have the intent to desire, meaning I would have bought you uh, a, a dozen roses for your for your birthday, but I forgot. I, I would have cooked you a meal. I would have cleaned the house if I knew you were coming. So that's what people people try to get credit for things that they think about. And, and you know, if you were anything like me in junior high or high school, I, I had fantasies about laying in bed and thinking through everything and doing my chores. And when can mind control happen, right? Yeah. Maybe it's coming to spirit, up. but – <laughs> right. That's what we want. We want to be able to lay there and physically do nothing and, and take no action. And your action, your body, the things that you do actually say a lot about what your true intent is, because that's where they say talk is cheap. 
And, and that's, that's why that comes from that, because I really care about you. Well, how do you care? Will you show up to pick me up at the airport, even when it's inconvenient for you? Right. And so we've also realized this other thing, especially with the proliferation of social media, is that you get a little dopamine hit when you just tell people, oh, I'm going to crush my goals this year, or I'm killing it, or hustle life. And you actually do nothing because the reward of you saying it is enough for you to satiate you so that you don't feel like you have to do anything with your life. So for some people who get caught in that loop, I want to give a very tactical piece of advice here where you feel like you have all these ideas and you want to make things, but you wind up looking back at the end of the year and like, what did I actually accomplish? And if that amount is very little or none, nothing at all, then you have to make a promise to yourself from here on out. You can no longer tell anybody what you're going to do. The only time you can tell them is after you've done it. I love that. Right. Cause that's robbing you of the drive. Tony Robbins talks about this. He says, discomfort a little bit of pain is the thing that drives and motivates you to take action to go do something. Now, that sounds really negative. There's a positive side. You can also think about a goal that you're inspired by, that fills your heart up with joy, and you can work towards that goal. So it's a push-pull thing. So you can be drawn towards a fabulous goal where you're excited every single day to get up and go do it. And you can also be simultaneously motivated by the things that you feel gross about. Like, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to change. Those things hurt me. I'm tired of feeling overweight. I'm tired of not having enough energy. I'm tired of always losing a bid. Right. Why am I always being overlooked for promotion? So you can, you can take that step and you can make that move and enrich your life that way. Yeah, and take like practical steps towards that. Well, you have to take action. I found myself as a young creative, I found myself always um, blaming, you know, it's like the industry or hear, hear things yes. like, the, like the old guard and stuff like that. Yes. And the biggest realization to me and the, the big unlock for me was the moment I realized that those were all just manifestations of my own ego and that was all self-constructed and the only thing that was standing in the way was me. Yeah, I think what you're touching upon is this thing is that when you talk about ego, I'm no expert on ego. Right. And Me I neither. think it's Full part disclaimer. of your <laughs> Yeah, I think it's part of your self-defense mechanism. And what we do as human beings is we seek pleasure and we want to minimize pain. So things that hurt, we try to find another way to convert that and then we live in denial, right? So we want to dismiss that I actually have any role or responsibility in the things that happen in my life. Everything happens to me. And so I get to play victim. I I'm absconded of all responsibilities and that feels pretty good in a way. I get that, but that doesn't actually move you forward. doesn't get you any closer to your goals. I was reading in Darren Hardy's book, the compound effect. And he said, one of the biggest key takeaways, if anything, if you read this entire book is to realize one thing, Take 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life. So when you're overlooked for that promotion, instead of saying, well, you know, that person has a better design degree or they were more attractive than me or whatever, or they know the boss's cousin or something like that, because that's not taking any responsibility for yourself. And the reason why this is so powerful once you come to this realization is once you take responsibility, you can actually do something about it because otherwise everything's out of your control and things that are out of control lead to sadness and, and depression. And those are things we're trying to avoid. So when I realized, gosh, why is it that I'm always overlooked for the promotion? What is it that I'm doing? What can I change? What is Susie doing? Oh, you know what? I just realized Susie comes in 10 minutes before me. Susie doesn't take a lunch break or Susie outputs four times as much quality work 
than, than what I'm able to produce. And so I need to bone up on my skills. What is it that she's doing? Susie, I always look up to you and I noticed that you've been promoted. Congratulations on that, first of all. I'm just curious, would you be willing to spend a few minutes every other week and show me some of the tricks and tips that you're doing? Because I, I just feel like I can learn so much from you. And if there's anything I can do, I would be happy to reciprocate. Susie, oh, so now we've turned a, a potential enemy into a mentor of ours, potentially. And, and, and then the boss recognizes, like, look at that. Uh, now Jimmy is following in the footsteps of my star employee. I like that. Where is this going? And yeah. I, I'm going to acknowledge that. Next time the boss comes by, pats you on the back, it's like, I see what you're doing. I want to see you keep going down that path. And I can see a bright future for you one day. So when you take responsibility for your own life and everything that happens to you, Right. You're in control now, and now you have one of the most powerful things is choice. What do you choose to do? So if you choose to do nothing, just accept it and don't beat yourself up over it anymore. Don't blame other people. Don't get sad. Go back to playing the Xbox. You're fine. <laughs> right. But if that's not what you want, you got to go do something. Yeah. I think that's basically like what I was getting at. It's like I, I got to a place where I, I realized it was all on me. And now I'm at that place where I'm at like the, the foot of the mountain, if you will, and I'm realizing yes. how much work it's going to take. But I've, I've started my way up the mountain. It's a little bit more difficult than it has been before, but already I can see it's like my, my future is changing and, and changing quickly. So it feels so good to finally do yeah. that. But I realize that it's not like, it's like a gym membership. It's gotta be like every day and kind of like instilling 100%. that discipline. Mm-hmm. I just need to be more, you know, I need to be like you and really like get my shit together. <laughs> Well, so the thing is motivation, I think there's a quote, something, I hope I get this right. Motivation gets you started, but habit keeps you going. Yes. So what we got to do is we have to make a habit. And and what I ask people a lot of times when they ask me for advice, especially from young people, why don't I do this? What it, why aren't I better at this? Why aren't I getting that job? I just ask them, tell me what you do in your free time. And then they go on and make a long list of doing things that have nothing to do with contributing in their personal or professional growth. So I say, you know, if you want to know who you are, tell me what you do because you are what you repeatedly do. How you spend your spare time tells me a lot about what's important to you. So if you want to prioritize binge watching the latest season of XYZ, then that's really what you want to be. But if you want to be serious about cinematography, editing, graphic design, why aren't you reading those books? Why aren't you starting a podcast and interviewing those people that you look up to? Because that's the person that's going to get ahead. Thank you, Chris. The best always, uh, always giving out the best advice and quick to uh, hop on uh, a podcast with me. And that's amazing because I know you're so busy and I love you, dude. All right. Uh, Courage and the willingness to be uncomfortable with Joanne Chan, the CEO at Turner Duckworth, one of my favorite agencies. Love Joanne. Uh, She was so cool and she sent me a book and I've done a million of these podcasts and not everyone repost or you know and it's cool it's like i I just give and give and give without expectations that's just great advice that one's free and um but joanne was so gracious and really helped to share and get the word out and the people at turner duckworth are amazing and and really good people if you're looking for an amazing agency to go work at uh ringing endorsement for a turner duckworth uh this is called the current i don't know if i said it already but the courage and the willingness to be uncomfortable with joanne chan uh amazing person amazing human take it away joanne yeah, I, I was going to comment on your kind of putting yourself out there and, and doing this podcast and having the guts to ask people to talk to you. I applaud that. I think that Thank you so much. that is something that takes courage and the fact that you're having smart conversations and you're asking, you're coming from a place of humility and you're also trying to help your fellow young designers, your you know creatives out there. 
understand how they can get a leg up in this world, I, I really think that's great, Rob. And I think you're, you're, you're providing a great service to, to young designers because they can't get everything from university or everything from their internship programs. Because right. face it, some internship, internships are really not great. Exactly. <laughs> I think one of the things I've learned over the years is that courage and the willingness to be uncomfortable are two traits that can really take you places. And that might seem strange coming from a person who's been at the same place for 22 years, but please know that I also had a career in the arts before this career. Um, and I had a master's in art history and I had this whole other career at life in New York that I left. And during my 22 years at Turner Duckworth, I've taken a lot of risks and I have been courageous and I've gotten uncomfortable and that's when I typically made the best decisions and the best leaps in my career. Right. And so, so what I would say to people is um, do what Rob is doing right now, which is get uncomfortable because that is generally where the best things happen. How important would you say it is to seek out mentors in your creative journey and you know, have you had people along the way that have influenced you? The best gift that any, any employee can have is a great mentor. So if you can find someone, and I had that in David Turner, co-founder of Turner Duckworth, where he was my mentor for 20 years and he was a very, very generous manager in the sense that he was also very trusting. So he would let me reach and try to, right. for example, when I first started out, I didn't know how to talk about design. I learned it from him and I learned it from our clients. And then I would take these steps, sometimes baby steps, but then sometimes I would take a leap and I would open a presentation to 3Com or something major like that. And sometimes I would stumble, but he would be there to pick up pieces. He would jump in when I was faltering, but do it generously and kindly, not throw me under the bus, you know, and, and acknowledge that making mistakes is okay and nobody's perfect, we all get nervous, and the more he did that, the more confident I got, and eventually, I totally knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, I, I, I figured it out. Right. Um, but having a generous mentor, I think, is something that is the best thing for anybody's career, and that's what I try to be to, to, to our staff, is someone who is generous with her time, with advice, but not just with kind of wisdom, but really more in giving people opportunities to step up. Because there are some managers who, they just wanna keep people down. And I always say that the best managers elevate the people below them. Um, because those are the people who kind of, they wanna see you succeed. They're happy when someone else does a great job and they, can, they don't have to take credit. You know, They can say, this person did a great job for Turner Duckworth and spoke for Turner Duckworth. And that's, that, that really gets me excited. I'm so happy that we're at, a, we're at a place with a culture that supports creativity from anyone, from any corner. Sometimes an account person comes up with a great name and that ends up being the winning name. Sometimes an intern comes up with the winning idea and that person gets credited in the design competition. You know, we, we, we'll even put you know, temporary interns' names and, uh, in the design competition entries. So. That's amazing. I love that. 
Thank you, Joanne. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like making like I'm doing an award show here. Uh, but this last one, and this is the one that's kind of um, specific. I know that this is some sort of broad advice today and there's design and UX and things sprinkled throughout. But uh, if you're like, hey, uh, Rob, this is all great. And this is very like, you know, this is good advice, but about getting a job and stuff. But what about the portfolio specifically? This clip, I think, really gets at the heart of that and is of all the interviews I've had that really get at, you know, making it you know, advice for for the portfolio. And that's kind of, that's where this whole podcast started. It's kind of broadened out as it's gotten bigger. Um, but uh, this is from uh, Leland Massmeyer, portfolio advice for entry-level creatives from Lee Massmeyer, who is the, who at the time of this of recording, this was the chief brand officer at Giovanni. Uh, but Lee has worked at um, Collins and all these amazing different uh, studios and places. So uh, love Leland. He is probably the smartest person I know. He's incredibly articulate. And uh, I think it's a good way to close this thing out. So uh, Leland Mashmeyer, who at the time of recording this was the chief brand officer at Jabani, and that's kind of what he's referring to. But Leland uh, was a real day one for this podcast and is a great person. And, uh, you know, always love having Leland on the show. So, all right, Lee, take it away. All right. So we're talking about uh, visual identity, branding systems, and everything like that. I think you're a really great person to talk about this with and as I mentioned in, in the beginning of the show, I want to um, kind of shed some light on our industry and how it all, all works. Um, for someone just entering the field in this space, you know, they've done some work in college uh, or university, as they say, across the pond. They have a couple of different um, projects that they've worked on, but a lot of it is just like logos or it's printed material or it's like a website, but they want to have a case study that really shows the breadth of a full branding and identity system. If you are putting that together from scratch with a very limited perspective, like what is the, the best way to do that? And as somebody who's hiring, um, what are you kind of looking for? There's two parts or two halves to your question. The first is what am I looking for in a portfolio from someone who is, is coming at an entry level at the associate level? And then the second part is how do you how do you build a system or a portfolio that shows off systems work versus just identities and logos yeah so let me let me start with the first one so cool. it's important to and i was what i'm about to say is i was a victim of what i'm about to say when i was coming in so i always feel it's helpful to share which is when people are looking to hire you right out of college and stuff they're not looking for you to come in with like expertise and be a badass and show your complete business acumen and just be this total like um, machine when it comes to leading and building things. What they want is they want somebody who's coming in with uh, an ability to self-lead, meaning you're responsible, you meet deadlines, and you also over-deliver on your deadlines. And also someone who has a really interesting uh, voice through their design or through their writing or through their artwork. Um, the, the role of someone who is entry level, whether it's called junior designer, associate designer, or just designer in the company, your role is to take direction, interpret it, go off and explore as fast and as wide as possible, bring back all of that to answer the ask, but also to build on top of the ask. One of the things that I really get frustrated with is when I'm leading young designers who I give some direction to and they bring me back exactly what I asked for. 
I know it sounds completely, <laughs> I, I know it sounds like completely wrong. Right. In the sense that like, well, you asked me for this and I'm delivering it. Why are you disappointed in what I delivered? Because every, every direction that somebody gives you, or like in, in your work is a starting point. They're giving you direction. They're not giving you a deliverable. And that's mm -hmm. the point. A direction goes on, on and on as long as you want to walk it. A deliverable is a hard stop, meaning just give me this. Give me this slide with this image on it. But if I say, I want you to go and explore, you know, typography that's really playful and then another direction where typography is really rigid and locked in in like an architectonic way. And if you come back and just give me one example of each, you, you gave me a deliverable. You didn't give me a direction. You didn't explore a direction. I would want you to say, okay, I blew out 50 versions of each of these. But then I also said, let me bring them together as a, as a third version. And oh, by the way, here's a fourth version that I just popped into my head as I was working on. I don't know if it's any good, but I want to show it to you. Like volume and expressiveness and variety are the things that are highly valued when you're at an associate level. And if you can then bring in a brilliance of craft, a really uh, fine-tuned aesthetic sensibility on top of that, all the better. Like all, like having those three things wrapped up with each other is, is what makes somebody at the junior level desi like highly desirable uh, to work with. And then, you know, through a year or two, you'll eventually get to a point where, you know, your voice is more refined. You know how to work with the process. You can edit yourself before you present things and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the growth curve of it. Um, so that's, that's really what I'm looking for when I'm looking through portfolios. Is someone, you know, disciplined? Is someone, can someone produce a ton of stuff and work in a lot of different varieties? Does a person have a really interesting aesthetic sensibility? And then um, finally, uh, do they, are they really attuned to craft? Like do they have an, like a color, do they have an artistic sensibility, a typographic sensibility, a structural grid system sensibility? Like it's always, I wanna know where that craft is that they, that they are. Um, when it comes to the question of like brands and systems, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Making a logo is not impressive. Right. I mean, if, if we remember like, and again, this is something else Lisa, Lisa worked on, um, the USA Today logo was a circle. Mm -hmm. If you presented to me that alone as a circle, I'd be like, mm. but yeah. the thought and the thinking and the systems and the way that rolled out across the newspaper, uh, that Lisa did while she was at Wolf Owens was brilliant. That's what made it powerful. And the reason is, it's not just because we want to see more work or, or anything like that. There's very practical reasons why systems matter more than identities. It's because with the way that companies have, have expanded, really should say exploded the number of touch points in the world, the amount of content they have to put up, the amount of different audiences that they have to appeal to, you can't just rubber stamp a logo on everything and think it works. I mean, for instance, like a logo in a Twitter feed avatar is different than a logo on the front of packaging. Like mm -hmm. they have to work in different ways, but a brand has to appear in both places. So you have to understand how the system works. So the idea of your identity can expand and modulate across all of those different ways. And like in the example with the Chobani, we have all these different people we have to appeal to with different products. And the products have oftentimes very different opposing sometimes opposing um, points of view on what makes them special or what makes them Chobani-esque. And so we have to find a way to modulate the system and modulate the language, knowing what to leave behind, what to pull forward, 
to bring these very different products speaking to these very different audiences into the Chobani family so it feels like a, a cohesive whole. And cohesive whole can mean a common graphic system across everything, like the way Coca-Cola does stuff, or it can mean a common tonality across everything, like the way a Nike does it, for example. Right. And you just have to learn how to do all that type of stuff. And so you wouldn't know how to do all of that coming right out of school, but being able to show that you understand the need for building a dynamic system for an, for, for an identity so that it flexes is really important. Because if I see a lot of portfolios where people just rubber stamp the same colors, the same logo, the same logo pattern right. on top of stuff. Um, they just said command all, D and have it like repeat like a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> here's my logo on a bag, but it's big. Here's my logo on a t-shirt, but it's an angle. It's that was like, me. That was me. The first time I showed you my book, you guys were, <laughs> you guys were kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so it's, it's great that you know how to copy and paste a logo, but that's right. not what you're going to be asked to do or what you need to do to solve the problems when you become a working graphic designer or brand identity. Dude is a genius, best vocabulary, best hair, Leland Massmeyer. This podcast is just as much about me as it is about like you guys. Like, And what I mean by that is I always am sec second guessing myself and wondering if I'm going to make it and wondering if I'm going to be a failure and feeling like I'm not doing anything. Uh, so while I'm trying to facilitate and put this out there, these are also kind of just reminders for me of like, hey, buddy, like it's okay. It's cool. There's people like, you know. Julie Zhu or Amy and Jennifer Hood or Lisa Smith or Lila Mashmeyer. They're all, they're, you know, they're all out there rooting for you. Chris Doe. I know I'm missing one here. Oh, and Leslie Witt uh, for the chief design officer from Headspace. They're all out there and they're all normal, great people. Uh, and there's, you know, 7 billion people in this world and so many opportunities for growth and for learning and for, you know, just keep your head up, man. It's easy. Everyone's getting back from summer vacation. It's going to be a little bit slow. People are not going to get back right away. Just keep grinding out there. You just graduated from school and you just got fired. Word. That's how it happens. It happened to me like seven fucking times. It's fine. You're going to be great. You're going to do amazing things. Or you might just get like, you know, railroaded and, and, and everything falls apart. And the only way from there is up. You got to grind it out. You got to learn. You got to do it. Meetthecreatives.org underscore Rob Johnston. That's underscore that's like the line, line on the bottom thing underscore rob johnson r-o-b-j-o-h-n-s-t-o-n there's a t in my name my life would be so much easier if my name was johnson but i probably would not have been able to get that cool tag so it's underscore rob johnson on instagram uh i'm on tiktok i need to get more into that i'm kind of old i don't know i kind of just hate this like clickbaity culture if anything i'm gonna really ramp up youtube this year i know i've been threatening that for a long time but I'm almost done building out the studio in my base and my garage. And I know I've been talking about that for a while, but it will re look really cool. Uh, I'm doing lots of in-person podcasts coming up. One that's about to come out, I think, uh, later this week or next week is with Brian Collins. That was really great. We finally locked that down. Uh, and then I think tomorrow is going to be Burton LeBlanc from The Handmaid's Tale, all about the makeup. And I, I talk about like my predictions for what's going to happen on Handmaid's and uh, just a lot of really fun stuff coming out uh in the near future okay enough for me go enjoy it go kick ass and uh my closing piece of advice 
I, there's been all this advice from all these amazing people. It feels weird to put my own spin on it, but I think there's kind of a general theme that goes on throughout all of these. It's just be kind to yourself, be patient. It's going to take a long time. Um, while keeping that tenacity and the stick to and you will get where you're going. It's probably just going to take longer than you think it's going to. And I have to remind myself of this every day. So uh, enjoy. Love you guys. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And don't ever tell me I didn't deliver for you guys because this shit was awesome. Not me, but like the, the podcast part of it uh, and the advice that was given was awesome. Okay.